0: Good evening, brothers and sisters. Let's uh, turn in our Bibles to, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, one of our young ones, or it might have been several, quoted some of these verses. And I think they're lovely verses, and I think they are very applicable to the message that was given this morning, and the one that's going to be given tonight. Romans 8 and verse 31 what shall we say then to these things if God be for us who can be against us let's look to the Lord for guidance our gracious Lord and our Father we're so thankful for thy word we're so thankful for your son the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we see him throughout the scriptures from the very beginning to the very end We just ask that our knowledge of him would be magnified, Lord. That you would give us ears to hear thy word. Minds to understand what you're telling us, Lord. We ask that you would speak tonight, Father. And that we would uh, take in what you would have us to know, Lord. We ask these things in your son's most precious name. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning we considered... Well, we, we briefly considered, and I don't know exactly how brief I was. I intended it to be brief, just to do a recount of how we got to that point of Numbers chapter 22. And once we got to Numbers chapter 22, we discussed the state that the people were in, and how there was a, a certain king who looked to put a cursing upon the people of Israel. At this point, they have no idea what was going on. And by a certain individual named Balaam. And um, the the story, the account of the story must have been given by divine revelation to Moses. uh, From the Lord to Moses. Perhaps how he got divine revelation of what happened uh, from Adam to the time of uh, of Egypt. Uh, And how do we know this is because, well... Moses wasn't present when Balak was having conversation uh, with his with his uh, nobleman if you would say and with with Balaam you don't he's not present at this conversation and you can't we can't determine whether Balaam actually told him the count of these things I imagine he was killed quite quickly and we're going to look at that tonight uh, and the reason we started out in, in Romans chapter 8 if God before us, Who can be against us? Verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? For it is written, For thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, neither death, nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us go to uh, to the passage that we were considering in the book of Numbers. And then there was a statement that was briefly uh, made. I didn't mean to rush through much of this portion of scripture that Balaam we saw was a a false prophet and he's mentioned three different times in the new testament about the teachings of Balaam and we considered just a quick one this morning that he was uh he was looking for that unrighteous wage and we we saw that there's People nowadays that you see them all over TV, you'll see, you'll hear about them, that they, they, uh, in a sense, sell the gospel for prosperity to themselves, and those are in the doctrine of Balaam. Second Peter, chapter two, was the verse that we referred to there, and uh, the statement that was made is it's that Balaam was unable to get. God to be unfaithful to his people. But we're going to consider later today, tonight. But he was, unfortunately, he was able to get his people to be unfaithful to their God. So, we covered up to, to chapter 22. We kind of skimmed through it. So, now we're going to get to where God actually will speak through Balaam. And we concluded this morning of how in the world... How is it possible that God would use a false prophet, somebody that's not, uh, in a sense, uh, redeemed, somebody that doesn't have the spirit of God in them? And, and we gave just a very few examples this morning of, of the donkey being used, of Caiaphas prophesying about the Lord Jesus Christ uh, dying for the people, of uh, the use of, of ravens, how they fed Elisha. Of the king Cyrus, the king of Persia, would the Lord would appear to him and speak, and the Lord would, would would go on to say when he would ride into the city where where people were, were crying out Hosanna, and the Pharisees would look to rebuke him. How could you allow this blaspheme to be said? And he would say, if somebody were to stop these, the stones themselves would cry out. So the Lord is capable of using of using things that are not alive. I'll suggest. Uh, I'll, I'll make this suggestion. Previous to this chapter, there was a great failure. There's been many great failures in in throughout the wilderness wanderings up to this point. There's been many rebellions. There's been many sins, but up to this point, there was a, a great failure on the priesthood, on the on Aaron himself, and on Moses. And in a sense, God, I don't know if he's he's trying to demonstrate us that if if Aaron if the high priest the one that's meant to intercede for the people shall fail doesn't matter that's not going to stop God from blessing his people regardless of who's going to come from God is going to pronounce his blessing on his people because God is ever so faithful and nothing could change that so let's consider chapter 23 Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand uh, by thy burnt offering, and I will go. Preventure, the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And he went unto the high place, and God met Balaam. And he said to him, I have prepared seven altars, and I have prepared upon every altar a bullock and a ram. Now here we see that there's these burnt offerings being prepared, seven of them. Um, And we read of numerous burnt offerings through the book of Leviticus, through that brief study that we did. And over here you could kind of see the pagan doctrine of Balaam, and a sense of bribery. Here's the children of Israel offering you Burnt offerings. Well, let's let's offer you more offerings, and, and, and let's see if God is able to curse the people who He's blessed because we're offering more offerings. That's and it's it's a pagan thought. Oh, uh, how am I going to be more blessed? At the church? Maybe I, I have to give more money. I have to I have to put more work into it. I have to uh, uh, again following the the, the the doctrine of Balaam. But look what the Lord would say, and. <clears throat> Uh, And the Lord put a word in the mouth in Balaam's mouth and said Return unto Balak And thus shalt thou speak And he returned unto him And lo he stood by his burnt offering sacrifice And all the princes of Moab He took up the parable And said Balak The king of Moab Hath brought me out of Aram Out of the mountains of the east Saying come curse me Jacob And come defy Israel How shall I curse whom God Hath not cursed. How shall I defy whom God hath not defied? From the top of the rocks I see him. From the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob? And who can number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous. Let my last end be like his. Not much of a curse that he could actually pronounce on his people, and this we'll call this. There's uh, the different parables or or sayings that or oracles. Some some scriptures would say, uh, "Bala concerning Israel." Um, it could be divided in, into different um, and named different different things. But for tonight, we'll call this one parable number one concerning the separation of Israel we see who can count the dust of Jacob and number the fourth part of Israel. Let me die a death of righteousness and let my last end be like his. And it's, it's a sad statement for Balak to, to make. It's in, a, in a sense, he wants to die the death of a righteous, but he doesn't want to live the life of a righteous person. Isn't that true about many unbelievers nowadays? They want to go to heaven. They want to they want to not go to hell. They want to uh uh enjoy the the benefits of being a Christian. They see the life of a Christian. They see that he that they are satisfied and they want that for themselves. Uh many people that that have uh great wealth would would seek to to find pleasures in many things. There's songs written about stuff I can't get no satisfaction. And and In a sense, they're reaching out, but the life of a believer, though it be simple, though they may not have much, if if the life of the believer, if they're walking according to the will of God, if, if Christ is their center, if in a sense they're dead to the world and alive to Christ, their life is not theirs and they find satisfaction in it. And the world sees that brothers and sisters we need to be a testimony uh, not necessarily by word of mouth but by the way we live where people would see that and envy that and people have come to know the Lord just based on watching people's lives and being intrigued by it and getting into the scriptures and Balak again would I mean Balaam would want the end of, a, of, of the Christian, but he would he wouldn't forego his unrighteous way just Peter would tell us. <clears throat> now uh, concerning the separation of Israel It's still true to this very day Isn't it? Concerning the nation of Israel It's a miracle It's a miracle Considering these people Have had so many enemies I'm talking about here Earthly enemies So many different principalities Have rose to stomp on Israel From ancient Rome To Antiochus Epiphanes To the the Germans in World War II To Adolf Hitler Trying to exterminate uh, the Jews To them being driven out uh, a, a captive uh by by babylon by the assyrians and for for the history of this nation is it's a miracle in itself that they are still a nation that is identity that ha- maintained its identity through all these years and that is still true of the nation of israel that in 1948 that they actually went and possessed the land in itself that's 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 biblical that's that's some of the promises that God has 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 blessed these people with and it's uh, it's uh, uh to think about it and deny that there's there's something more powerful at work there than just coincidence that these people have maintained their identity how does that apply to us today well a christian should be separated a christian should not identify with the world now you you could say Uh, you know quote those famous verses i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ liveth in me and the life which i now live in the flesh right in this flesh i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me right now if if your life belongs to Christ and you are living for these world's pleasures if you're not looking not living your life for Christ your life does not belong to you corinthians would tell paul tells in corinthians don't you know that you are not your own you are bought with a price price right so if we are not our own and we're doing whatever we want if you Borrow something without permission. There's a simple word for it. It is called theft. It's simple, brothers and sisters. If we're not living for Christ, it's theft. We're stealing. Basically, we're stealing from God. So we do not want to fall in that trap. We want to be separated, for we are a people separated. We should be a people separate unto God. Now, uh, in 1 in Peter, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, we're not going to turn there for time's sake, but Peter would go on to say, he, and he would quote the Old Testament in the books of Moses. It says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And this is what God is commanding us to, to be. And now, being holy, holy in itself, means to be set apart, to be separate. When I was a kid, I used to think of the word holy and, and I would think of like a holy grail or something that's like an item that cannot be touched, and there was like a light around it, and angels would go ah. But I mean, the the more you study scripture, you see that being holy. God called His people Israel to be holy, to be separated. He separated them from the world, just as a Christian is separated from the world. We're separated. A, they were separated at Egypt. We're separated from the world. Now we're separated to god and you have to consider that if we're separated from the world we have to be separated separated to god when uh when god took the children of israel out of the 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 land of egypt he didn't just send them to the wilderness and say i'll meet you there i'll just go to the promised land I'll be there. No, he would devise, uh, uh, he he had holy attributes and he would devise a system through the Levites, through holy furniture, through the tabernacle, uh, through cleansing, through offerings. This complicated uh, thing that's written in detail just so that he could dwell with his people. His people are not to just be separated from Egypt, but they were to be separated to him to be with Him in the wilderness, that the pillar, uh, the Shekinah glory would be in the center of the camp and there would be an order around the, the, the tabernacle in itself and their main focus was God. They, they, they were centered. Their whole life revolved around Him. Let us never lose sight of that Christian. Let us be separated to Him. And, and those verses in 1 Peter not only would say, for, Be holy for I am holy. Pass your time... Of your, What word does it say? Sojourning. Isn't that interesting that he would use that term? That you, pass your time of your sojourning here in this world in fear, right? So a sojourner is, is who? Somebody that, that, that doesn't have a dwelling place here. They're going through somewhere. The Israelites were sojourners in the wilderness. They weren't, they weren't looking to settle down. They had a promised land that they were going to. So Christian, right now in this in this world, we are pilgrims. We shouldn't uh, focus too much on our 401ks, on our earthly possessions. Uh, it's all going to pass away. It's it's all going to go up one day, uh, whether it be in ten years or a thousand years. Hopefully sooner. I'm hoping the Lord comes back sooner. Um, but why invest so much time and effort? Uh, in earthy things and to put that mentality to sometimes our kids guilty of it education 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 degree 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 you need to get a decent job decent job decent job so you could get a lot of money get a lot of money get a lot of money then you live out your life and then you have money to you saved up enough money to retire and then your kids could go to school you could tell them the same thing and then you have money and then you could just die isn't that kind of just like it's a it's a letdown but to, to consider that the Lord Jesus, that, that the Christian is, is blessed with all spiritual blessings. We're blessed with things that are incorruptible. There's a, a famous quote. I forget the brother who, who said, he is no fool who loses or gives up what he cannot gain. What he cannot, lo- I'm sorry. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain. That which he cannot lose. And that's a, that's a Christian. We, in a sense, we are stewards of what the Lord has given us. The Lord gave you, bless you, gave you a good job. Amen, brother. Use it to the glory of the Lord. You've got to seek, ye first, the kingdom of God. That's, that should be your priority. Not your secular, uh, in your secular job. I have a secular job myself. It shouldn't be to raise up the corporate ladder. It shouldn't be to stomp people to make myself look good. No. You're supposed to seek, ye first, the kingdom of God. There's that nice little kids' choir that just came into my head. If the Lord makes you a plumber, be a plumber for the Lord. Simple, simple song, but has a great truth to it. Okay, so we considered the first uh, parable of being separate. Right, and then we we also read, "Who can count the dust of Jacob?" And we we alluded to this. Isn't this the, the the promises of God? How He is so faithful to His servant Abraham, and He would promise Him a great nation. Who can count the dust of Jacob? I will multiply thee. I will make thee a great nation. Look at the stars, Abraham. Could you count them? That's how your descendants are going to be. Look upon the sands of the sea. That's what you're they're going to be innumerable. That's how your people are going to be and uh, you you consider how these these, these people uh, of the children of israel would travel through the wilderness is a miracle in itself and there was great preparation made for it and in the first chapters there was the ordering of the camp the way they were set up in a perfect shape if you will uh, of the tribes aligned also encircling the, the, the tabernacle And if you you take, if if you like numbers, do a study of the actual numbers given in the census. There's something of numbers of giving abled men, excuse me, to go to war. uh, Something over 600,000 abled men to go to war. Now, it's just a rough estimate. So if if you're thinking of young men, age 20 uh, and up to, that are able to fight, uh, it's just a rough estimate. There's probably about 2.3 million Israelites. It's quite a number to, to wander the wilderness for 40 years. And we talked about that sad fact that that, that generation of unbelief passed away. Now, this is the new generation that, that are ready to possess the land. And Balak would see them coming. And he would say, who could count the dust of Jacob? He, he could see the, the promises of Abraham, of, of Abraham fulfilled. Let's not uh, wander too long. We're going to lose track of time as we did this morning. Okay, chapter 23 verses 18 to 21 we're talk uh, is going to be the the parable concerning blessing of the people of Israel that they cannot be cursed. So let's let's consider uh, in verse 18 and this is the second time. So the the king, I'm skipping some of the narrative. The king would would kind of be upset. You've done nothing but you blessed them. And he would, Balaam would say, "I am powerless." He would. It says that he would take up, to you know, he would want to do his enchantments, but the Lord won't let him. And and he would just pronounce the word of the Lord, and he would bless the people. Balak would get uh, crossed, and he would say, "Come, come with me. Let's go to a different vantage point, and we could curse them from there." So he brought him into the field of uh, Zophim on the top of Pisag, and built seven altars again, again, trying to. bribe the lord little do they know what they're trying to do and 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 um in verse 16 i'm I'm going to start reading verse 16 and the lord named balaam and put the word in his mouth and said go again unto balak and say thus when he came to him behold he stood by his burnt offering and the princes of moab with him balak said unto him what hath the lord spoken and he took up his parable and said rise up Balak, and hear, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, uh, hath he said, and shall not he do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I receive commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. Or the, uh, the Lord, his God, the Lord, his God, is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, he, I'm sorry, he hath as it were the strength of a unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob neither is there any divination, any divination against israel according to this time it shall be said of jacob and of israel what hath god wrought what a tremendous uh, intuition that the the god almighty creator of the universe is giving to this this false prophet that's out to make a wage and, and notice what, what it says that there's no divination. There's, uh, we're going to see that, that the following one that there, that in, in ch- compared to, to uh, chapter 24 four and verse one, it says that it, it th- by the time he gets to the third um, uh, parable that he would speak, it, it says that he would even seek no enchantment. So in a sense, the previous two times that he was going to pronounce the you know going to say something concerning Israel, he would still look. to to give some kind of enchantment to curse them but the lord god almighty his will will be done and he will bless his people and his will will not be turned and what what astounding statements are made about jacob here about the people of of israel um you could consider and and we could uh, reference this to, to the passage in jude Pick any chapter you want. I think it's in verse 11. He will go on to say, again, uh, warning about false teachers. He goes, them that fall in the error of Balaam. Now, we saw that, that the way of Balaam was was seeking that unrighteous wage, according to Peter. Here, the, the, the error of, of Balaam is thinking that he could convince God that Look at these people. Look at what have they done. These are wicked people. They, they have sinned, uh, grievous sins. There has been rebellions. We said this morning, this, this, this book has been about rebellions, uh, about murmurings, about complainings, about sin, about things that just appalled God, about the very, the, 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 the very Levites. There's great sin amongst the Levites where God will have to judge them and, the, and swallow some of them up by earth. Some people will be burnt by the very presence of God in, in, in judgment but what the Lord sees is different what the Lord sees is, is tremendous behold I have received commandment to bless that's what the, the only thing that Balaam could do I, he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob how is that? How is that these people through so many faults, through so many failings, through their, their own leader, through Moses, the lawgiver, the law, the law himself could not get him to the promised land. Could you imagine that? The lawgiver could not get into the promised land. There's been failings in, in the, 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 the priesthood of Aaron, how he would fail the people with the golden calf and how, he would, how him and Moses would strike the rock because they were just frustrated with the people. They've had it up to here. But God would say, I had not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Now, I would make the suggestion, previous to this chapter, in chapter 21. Now, my brother covered this chapter. I wasn't here that morning. I was actually speaking somewhere else. But I I was told he spoke about the bronze serpent. There was a serpent that was raised. Now, what a beautiful picture that God is looking at these people, looking at, at, at... looking at them in the calmliness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and he does not behold iniquity, because that serpent, in a sense, was raised. Christian, when God looks upon your life, how we fail, how our our own personal failures are are just er embarrassing to even admit, how we fail God constantly, but he's faithful and he would look upon us, through our serpent that was raised our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ it's, it's, a, it's quite a humbling quite, quite an incredible thought to, to think that he would not behold iniquity in Jacob but he would see them as, as in, in, in the, the righteousness of, of Christ as he would look upon us in, in our old lives that he would not see our iniquity but he would see the righteousness of Christ imputed upon us and then what a lovely statement that, it, it, that Balaam uh, concludes with, with, with these parables in verse 23. Surely there's no enchantment, there's nothing, there's no cursing that could be given against Jacob. Neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this, this time shall it be said of Jacob and Israel, What hath God wrought? Look what God has done. Look at the miracle that He has done. Christian, look at the miracle that God has done in your life. To think that once we were afar off in our trespasses of sin, that enmity with God, we have been we have been redeemed, we have been wrought nigh, we have we have peace, being justified by faith. We have peace with God. It, it to to think of the work that Christ has done for us. I think of that passage, famous passage in Isaiah chapter fifty three, where where it says. By the by, my the my the deeds of my righteous servant. I'm sorry, misquoting. He shall justify many by him being trampled down, by him being put on the cross and being raised. Shall he justify many? Look what God wrought! It's amazing, amazing. So that that is the prophecies concerning the people that are blessed. They cannot be undone. They cannot be cursed. And Balaam himself, there's, there's no, nothing that I could say to break that. And again, that reverts to, to Jude, to, the error of Balaam. Now, you're saying, you know, Balaam seems like a good guy. Well, why is, why is he even here? Why is he even here? God revealed his will to him. Remember, we discussed this morning that, no, these people cannot be Cursed. These people cannot be cursed. And then he would allow a permissive vote, allow him to go and, and, and stand before him. And his donkey would save his life. And again, he would allow his permissive vote. Okay, go, but you're only going to say what I say. Why is he even thinking of enchantments or divinations to, to curse these people with? Why? If he knows the will of God. It's, it's a sad truth that some people that have had great revelation by God are in hell. I think of Judas Iscariot especially. The one who would sit <clears throat> and see Christ perform these many miracles. The one who would, who would look upon Christ and he would betray Him with a kiss is in hell. It's a humbling thought, brothers and sisters, that divine revelation still, it's a, it's a matter of the heart. If, God, if, if you're willing, God will save you. But if you're not willing, what, what, God is not going to force himself; he's not going to create robots. He gave us a free will. You look upon some of his miracles, he, there will be the leprous man, right? a beautiful picture and, and if you want to compare it to the the, the order of, of the lepers that, that God would give, the commandments that they, they need to be cast out, they need to be cleansed, unclean, uh, kept outside of the camp is a picture of sin, unclean, 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 well, this leprous man would go unto Christ if thou wilt. Christ, if thou wilt, I can be made whole. Will you? Will you, Christ? What what an intuition of this man. And Christ would look upon him, and not just look upon him, he would touch him. He probably hadn't felt the touch of any other man in many years, and he would say, I will. I will. Christ wills. He's not willing that any should perish, brothers and sisters. Don't let anybody fool you into different doctrines. God is not willing that any should perish. And then there's the the other sad instance when Christ would encounter the rich man and he would say, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? In Mark's perspective, he would say, you know, tell him some of the commandments, all these things I have done since my youth. Christ knows his heart. And Mark would write that Christ looking on him, loved him. He had compassion to this man. And he would tell him, one thing thou lacks: Go, sell thy things and follow me. Get this eternal life. Now this is something a lot more simpler than leprosy. It's just go, sell your things. But he wasn't willing. The lepros was willing. This this rich man wasn't willing. And he would depart. We've gotten off track and I do apologize for that. Uh, so we're going to get to number three. <clears throat> uh, let's read in, verse, in, in uh, chapter 24, verse 1. And Balaam uh, saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel. Again, and we're skipping some verses for time's sake. Uh, he went not, as other times, to seek enchantments, as, as mentioned before, by now he's, he's done. He's not trying to uh, continue trying to curse the people. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel abiding in the tents according to the tribes that the Spirit of God came upon him. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam, the son of Beor, had said, The man whose eyes are open had said, He had said, which is heard, the words of God, which saw, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having eyes open. How goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles... O oh, Israel, as the valleys that are spread forth as gardens by the rivers, by the riverside, and the, as the trees of line aloes, which the Lord hath planted, and as the cedar trees beside the waters. Now, imagine this. I mean, he's getting divine revelation. For example, as Ezekiel's eyes were open, the heavens were open, and he would see this incredible Image. This is how I imagined it would happen: that he would fall into a trance, but his eyes were open, and and he would look upon the encampment of Israel. Now, sisters, um, this is a good time that you could nudge on your husband. See, this you have to help me keep things in order in the house. Cleanliness is important. Order is very important. God created man; He gave him a purpose. He gave him things to do. He He gave. Specific instructions to how the tribe should lay out and how the tents should what order it should be, and 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 when Balaam would behold these people he would see what does it say how goodly are thy tents imagine imagine the Israelites ah. Oh. This is so much work. This is the hundredth time that we're moving the camp. And the Levites are, this is the 5,000th time that I've had to uh, take down the tabernacle and it had to be done with the utmost care. These are sacred, sacred furniture. And, and, and you could tell that they're getting, getting tired of it. But how, how God would want that testimony to, to be held of this order. And, and when Balaam would look upon it and see how goodly are thy tents, Oh, Jacob. And in a sense, he would, he would go and, and, and describe what it looks like. He, and he would describe it. I'm sorry, I lost my place. How goodly are thy tents, O, 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 o Jacob, thy tabernacles, O Israel. Thy valleys spread. And it describes it as a garden and that by the riverside. And that there's like, imagine the Garden of Eden that the Lord wanted to make something beautiful, beautiful fermented dwelling. And, and these gardens are, are all lined by uh, trees uh, which the Lord Himself had planted um, as cedars by the side of the water. It's just a beautiful image. And, and the Lord will want that, that order of His people christian our lives should be in order it what a sad testimony would be for for any outsider that's not a christian to, just to see our life in absolute chaos not necessarily yes cleanliness is important but for our gods for our lives to be in order to to have everything in a sense right that you're reading your bible that you're following uh the will of god that you're you're not against, you're not in conflict with anybody from the assembly, that you're, you're in happy fellowship, that your life is not in shambles. And look what it says about waters. And, and he shall pour out water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agag. When we're talking about waters... You, you could consider you know water is a type of of the holy spirit or of blessing sometimes in scriptures um I think of that that portion of of, of um the gospels where, where Christ says if any man thirst let him come to me let him come to me he's the source and in them shall spring forth a fountain of living water there shall be light. and it's it, it is true through the nation of Israel there's been been many blessings that have come out and you just to consider a few the nation of Israel we have the scripture don't we we have the the word of god translated to the utmost accuracy there's been there's been many uh, done by scholarly people more intelligent than i some secular people and they would go on to say that the translation of the scriptures that there are some some ridiculous 98 point uh 3% uh, accurate and the, some of the accuracies are in, in just minute terms that are insignificant we have the scripture through the nation of Israel we're blessed right we got the Messiah through the nation of Israel and what blessing that we'd receive from them now just to conclude this this uh, third portion and with the three minutes that I have I want to uh, just conclude with, with some of the doctrine of Balaam and his outcome let's go to 1 Corinthians Chapter three. Chapter three. How does this apply to us? For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Now here, the term husbandry doesn't mean as Christ loved the church, as as the church is the bride. Christ is the, 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 the groom. This is the husbandry. The husbandry is, is the, the one that takes care of the garden. And we are what? What does it say? We are God's building. Christian, we need to be fruitful. We need, God is investing his time into his garden. We need to produce fruit. We need to give these, forth these fragrant, uh, uh sense, uh, uh, um, we need to give the fragrance of Christ. We need to be like Christ. We are his garden, he's the husbandman. <clears throat> In Romans 11 verse 15 just to mention one verse considering the nation of Israel and in the book of Romans as you know when it gets to chapter 8 it's like a climax who we read it who shall separate us from the love of God but then Paul goes on to to to, to give some defense of how the Lord is, is dealing with his people because the unbelief of the nation of Israel was it was very notable at the time because the Gentiles were multiplying uh, they were getting added to the congregation and look what it says in chapter 11 verse 15 for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead brothers and sisters I look forward to that day I mean considering this that the casting away of them was reconciling to the world I'm, I'm one of those we are saved through the Jewish Messiah. And they, in a sense, have rejected their Messiah. The Lord, I just only read this verse to say that the Lord has not cast away his people. He, There is one day, the Bible tells us, when they will be, in a sense, it will be as life from the dead. And there shall be continue blessing from those people. And it, it says in the book of Revelation, it, it, not in the book of Revelation, it says that in that day, they will seek a Jew. They, Eleven pe- I don't know how many people it says that they will seek a Jew to basically take him. Take him. Show us to your Christ. Show us to your Messiah. And, and they will be a blessing. Once again, the Lord has not cast out, has not put aside his nation. There's some doctrines out there. I'm not going to mention them, which will say no. The church is the new Jerusalem. Those people have lost their chance. That's not biblical. The Lord has not given up on His people. Okay, so we've considered three of those parables. I'll just mention the the, the third, the the fourth parable. It has to do with sovereignty, the sovereignty of of the people of Israel. How there's going to be a king that's going to be raised, and it's it's and it's the people of israel don't have a king at this point and there's going to be a great king that shall come out and there shall be a scepter and it's it's leading to uh, yes david the the height of the the israel monarchy there's going to be many kings from that line but ultimately it would be the line of the tribe of judah that hath prevailed revelations chapter 5 we don't have time to go into those portions of scripture but it's it's Incredible! Some of the, the 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 prophecies that that Balaam is pronouncing out of the nation of Israel. And again, we said, how how in the world can God use such an individual? My mom gave me an actual an illustration uh, last night, and I forgot to, to mention it to you this morning. I think it's probably worthwhile. So imagine if there was a widow that solely relied upon the Lord for provision and she would pray to the Lord and the Lord would send a certain individual and they would give her a meal and she would live within her means but she was faithful to the Lord and her neighbor being an atheist man would say, you know, she thinks it's God that's sending her these meals it's just people that are nice that feel bad for her so he gets one of his uh, students he's a college professor he says, look, I want you to deliver this meal to this woman I don't think she's had any food today and when you deliver it to her, make sure that she asks, Oh, thank you. When, who gave you this meal? You tell her it was a devil. So then this college student will go, Okay, so he takes the meal and gives it to her, and she's like, Oh, thank you, the Lord is so gracious. He's never let me down and she takes the meal, gives says thanks to the young man and is about to walk away and he's like, Don't you want to know who it's from? And she goes, Even it goes, even if the Lord even if my God sent a demon to give me the food, he would have to obey. And it's as simple as that. So so God in a sense he's pronouncing these incredible blessings through this wicked man. Doesn't mean he's in agreement with them, as we mentioned this morning. Briefly, I know I'm five minutes over. We're going to just discuss the outcome of Balaam, how his doctrine so you you see that we made that statement at the beginning that Balaam was unable to get God to be unfaithful to his people. But unfortunately, he still made his wages and he was able to get his people to be unfaithful to God. In chapter 25, some of these fancy Bibles will have like the, the, the titles. They're not included in the, the scripture. They're not inspired, but it says the doctrine of Balaam. Mine says it. If yours doesn't say, I'm not telling you to write it in there, but it's kind of titled that way. And it, and it makes sense it, uh, by by what happens there. There's a... Shit, there's a Shittimite. I'm sorry. There, there's a Midianite woman. And these are the people who are part of the the Moabites. They're they're an intermingled people. And and this this person that's a leader from the tribe of of Simeon would bring this woman into the camp. And they would start. And and not only that, they would, would they would eat stuff that was uh, sacrificed unto idols. And there was the, the wrath of God was wrath. And, and Sadly, there was twenty. There was, I think, twenty-four thousand people that were slain just from from the plague that God sent because His people were being unfaithful. They went a whoring, as some scriptures would say. And there was a certain individual named Phineas, the son of Eleazar. This is the son of Aaron, the the son of Aaron's son. He was full of zeal. He was hot for God. And and he would see this man bring the Midianite woman as the people themselves would be in front of the tabernacle mourning for they have sinned. And he would see this person bring this woman into the tent and he would be filled with the zeal of God. He would grab a javelin, run him into a tent and pierce them both with the same javelin. And the Lord would stay his hand and he would say, because in verse, in verse uh, 13, it says, after he, uh, I'm sorry, verse um, 11. It says, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son, uh, uh, the son of Aaron, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consume not the children of Israel for my jealousy. And you see that the Lord will reward this warrior priest. Uh, he, would, he would establish an everlasting priesthood, in verse 13, because of his acts, he was zealous. We need to be hot. When it comes to sin, we need to, to put it out. We can't entertain it. There's times where, where you have to be careful and, and kind of go softly at it, to not offend, but there's certain times when you have to be blunt. You have to, uh, uh, you have to answer the matter of sin the way it's needed. And this man, God blessed now, before we close, uh, just to compare, just l- let's contrast some of these people. And just to, again, I'm, I'm giving a lot of side notes. After, if you, ta- if you like numbers, study of numbers, you could see that from the, the first original census, that the people that were going to go into the land to 40 years later, when the people were going to go into the land again, which is shortly after this, they take the census again. There's a decrease, decrease of 0.3%. You say that's an insignificant number. Well, no. It's actually a lot of people. Uh, that's 37, oh, it's over 37,000 people by my count. And if you look at the census of each tribe, how much people they had, they basically each uh, generation of, of tribe, the generations reproduce about as many people those 40 years as they had. But sadly, the tribe of Simeon was greatly reduced. I would suggest to you that this 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 plague that the lord sent probably struck mostly people from that tribe that went a whoring and it's a sad thing to, to to have that great a loss right before you go into the land anyways let's contrast just these two individuals Phineas and balaam one was consumed with god's glory one was consumed with israel's good he was he just he, he took action based upon uh, seeing that there's something that needed to be done, something that needed to be judged. And God's people have to take a stand against sin, just as that man Phinehas. Well, Balaam, he gave counsel and got his unrighteous wage and died for it. We're not going cons- to go there because we're out of time, obviously. In chapter 31, it says, before they went into the land, the Lord said, go against the Midianites." Midianites and they went and they slew them right and it says chiefly among them it gives a few names and it gives Balaam the son of Beor died why was he there why was he still there if he was commanded to go home well he saw that he couldn't get God to curse his people but he got his people to turn to be unfaithful to God we need to be aware of the ways of Balaam brothers and sisters he cast a stumbling block it's what the Lord Jesus Christ, the Risen Lord Jesus Christ, would tell us in the Book of Revelations, chapter two, when it talks um, when, it, when it's uh, talking about the seven churches in uh, Revelations chapter two. You could you could consider it. We don't have time to go there. So Balaam died. He didn't get to enjoy his wage. He's, I mean, he's from Mesopotamia, four hundred miles away. He was caught up by the Israelites and died. And again, he probably didn't have much time to explain to Moses exactly what happened. So he got his temporary pleasure. Isn't that what that is? Temporary pleasure and paid for it. But what did Phinehas do? He had the zeal for God and gained an everlasting priesthood. Brothers and sisters, we need more Phineas, And we need to be aware of Balaam's. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our gracious Lord and our Father, we're so thankful for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Oh, how thankful we are, Father, that as you will look upon that people, that you would find no iniquity amongst Jacob. Father, we're so thankful that you would look upon us and see the righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ imputed upon us, Father, not by works of righteousness that we have done, Father. There's nothing that we've done, nothing that we deserve, for Christ did it all for us, Lord. We ask that you would help us, Father, to blot out sin, to hate it, to, 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 to deal with it as Phineas did, Father. And Father, we pray that you would keep us away Keep us from the doctrine of Balaam. We ask your blessing upon tonight, Father, in your son's most precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.